Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome. To the Battlefield Show, I am Scott Gibson, your Commander-in-Chief, guiding you through the Battlefield of Life. You know what you're here for, no more messing about. Stick the tape in, hit the track, onwards! Episode 15, one, five. that's what, I don't know what I'm saying, how you doing team? Welcome back, dear listeners to the uh, Battlefield Show podcast, I just had to double check what episode this actually was because um, I'd lost count, anyway, episode 15, still fucking January, what the actual fuck... Generally, how many of you are fucking skint beyond belief? Mm. I think that if February is allowed to be a wee shitey short month, then I think we should get together. Just create a new month, right? Just create a new month. Call it Venuary, right? Call it Henry, call it Steve, call it fucking Steve, let's create a new month called Steve, it's a Steve month, right, okay, and we're going to put it in between January and February, so after Christmas, when you get your your early wages, right, well you don't get an early wage the rest of the year, but in December your, your business will probably give you an early wage, 
just so you can go and spend more money before Christmas. Keep that economy fucking running. Yeah, nah? Forget the fact you're going to start the new year, thousands of pounds in debt. In debt? Here we go again, man. I think I'm cursed by this podcast. That every time I go to speak, I can't fucking talk properly. So I think we need a new month. Steve, we'll call him Steve. And we fire it in between January and February. So January maybe last two weeks, right? Hear me out. January last two weeks, okay? First to the 14th, right? Then on the 15th of what would have been January, it's the first of Steve. And Steve runs to what would have been the end of January, okay? So you get January and you're like, oh, the January blues, man. My fucking New Year's resolution's at the window after two weeks. I've put on half a stone. And then lo and behold, before you know it, fucking Robert's your father's brother. Bang, it's Steve. You're like, fucking happy first of Steve, everybody. And you get a cheeky wee bonus salary from your work, right? Called the Steve salary. And it's it's half of your normal salary. Okay, so whatever you earn on the first of Steve, you get half of it. And that fucking tides you over till the end of Steve, it would be the end of January, and you get a normal wage again. How does that sound? How does that sound? Eh? Elect me. Running for office in 2020. But I we're in fucking January. Honest to God, this I cannot wait for this month to be over. Nothing really nothing really bad has happened. I'm just fucking sick of January. It's no it's not like my days are going slow or the weeks are going slow. I just feel as if I, I honestly feel like it's been January for about two and a half months now. That's how it feels. I, I don't know if it's because the way the days of the week worked. Normally I maybe take a week, two weeks off at the start of the year. Just because the way the days fall. Um, but this year it was just straight back into gigging again. Like from the 3rd of January. Do you mean? So I think maybe because I'm used to having that break. That maybe that's fucked me up a bit. And we're on the road quite a bit as well, man. We're fucking up and down all over the bloody shop, so I don't know, but I will be glad once this fucking week is over, man. Um, it's the start of Burns this week as well, isn't it? So, this is my first year living in Edinburgh with, with Burns, and it's one of those things, isn't it, where I know that you're meant to be proud of it because you're Scottish, right? But does anybody really give a fuck? Really? Does anybody give a fuck about Burns night? And I'm not saying that we we shouldn't celebrate it, you know, but does any does anybody like generally does anybody care? And are you celebrating Burns Night? And I don't mean celebrating it like you're gonna go to the chip and get a haggis supper, right? Because that is this is the thing. The Scottish government, right? And all these fucking hoity toity, arty fucking snobby cunts that will spend tens of thousands of pounds, hundreds of thousands of pounds, right? Maybe a money that could go into other art projects or funding other things will be spent on Burns events for, for who? For tourists, really, for tourists. Americans, Japanese, English people. 
who want to feel Scottish for a night, and probably the majority of people in this country, one, will not even know that Burns Night is on, two, if they do celebrate Burns, we'll have a haggis supper and a can of fucking iron brew. But hey, it's Burns, how much of that goes back to the fact that I, I don't think once in school Robert Burns was mentioned. I think we did a thing in primary school where you go to visit like Burns's house, but that's just a, that's just a shite school trip. It's easy to organise. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we we studied, we learned more about the fucking about Hitler and the Third Reich than we did about Burns or any other famous Scottish people. You know? I'm not going to go and don't get me started on education because I'll get fucking ranty. But how have you been? <laughs> I hope you've had a good week. Uh, this episode, man, is going to be a fucking ranty one, I think. I should have recorded this yesterday when I was in a, a good, I was in a better headspace yesterday, but I'm, I'm back to being angry today. So who knows if that's going to be a good episode or not. few things to, to cover. A um, couple of topics we'll pick up on. Uh, we need to talk about the Royals again, man. They're never off the fucking news. Some listeners' questions, as always. We've got some good questions. Um, and uh, we'll get fucking into the meat of this. But before we do get started, uh, I'll say up front, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. We are 14 episodes deep now. This is episode 15 of the Battlefield Show podcast. If you are one of the regular listeners, thank you for helping the numbers grow. If you've got any friends or family who don't listen, please get them to subscribe and share the podcast where you can. You can reach me on all the social medias on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Big Scott Gibson and on Facebook it is Scott Gibson Comedy. The website, you know, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. All the upcoming tour dates which start this weekend, um, the 25th of January. East Kilbride Arts Centre, uh, and then we roll on to Barfields Theatre in Largs on the 7th of February, and then on February 23rd, it's up north, Webster's Theatre in Ardbroath, it is a white noise tour, kicking off again in 2020, so when you get your little Stevie Wage, pop along to my website, get yourself some tickets, and I will hopefully see you in the road soon, we kick off, like I said, this weekend, East Kilbride Arts Centre, Always an amazing gig there, so do come along, but go to the website, all of the dates are up there. I've actually just uh, confirmed this afternoon uh, another date in Northern Ireland and another date in Scotland. Uh, there's a, another couple that hopefully hopefully will get confirmed in the next couple of days, um, and as those dates roll on, they will also go up on the website. So it's the best place to find out about all the stuff, and it's the best place to know about gigs that are up and coming. So get on the website, get yourself a ticket. Subscribe to the podcast and fucking just have a good life. Okay, right, let's get into this, man. The royal fucking family. Eh? Harry and Meghan. It's at the point now where, here's the thing, and I know I spoke about this in the last episode, right, but obviously since then... The bold Lizzie has ruled with the iron fist and went, you know what? You pair of fucking cunts can fuck off. And I like it. Right? I like it. The Queen, everybody thought, this is what I loved about it when they were all called in for the for the talks, right? First of all, Megan didn't turn up to it. No. 
there's some people, and that, again, this is all kind of class thing, you know, lefty and righty. Some people are saying it was disrespectful of her not to come along to talks. Other people saying that the Queen was aware she wasn't going to be there. But I think what's happened is the bold Liz has went in and went, I have had enough of you fucking cunts. One of my wains is a fucking pedo. And now you, you little ginger prick, are deciding that you don't want to be involved in any of this. You know what I mean? So, she wants her 2.4 million back. Quite right, Liz. I joked that if he made it 3 million, she'd tell him who his real dad is, but I think he knows by now who his real dad is. You've got to admire the Queen in a sense, because she the talks that they were meant to have about how they were going to sort this out, I mean, were they talks? Or were they just, sit yourselves in ginger bollocks. <laughs> you want to fuck off? You can fuck off. But you're paying back your dig money and you're losing your titles in the fucking boat, right? Good luck making money off that, okay? If I see HRH anywhere, you're fucking dead. <laughs> oh. And then they fucked off to Canada. You know, I, I think the, I think a lot of this comes down to nobody really gives a fuck about the pair of them, really. I know that there's people who are quite outspoken about it, and the kind of racism that Meghan Markle's endured with some of the British media, and I don't really think you can argue against that. I think some of the stuff that they've said about it or some of the the news stories that they've printed have, are pretty shocking, man. And I suppose, I mean, if it was my wife, he'd have been pissed off. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, like most celebrities, you imagine, I think I still think they could have lived a, a quiet life or done whatever it is they wanted to do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't understand. Well, I mean, I don't understand enough about the royals and what that kind of role as a, as a senior royal uh, entails. But I tell you something, Meghan Markle must be some fucking ride. That's all I can think of. <laughs> Megan Marco must be some fucking ride man. If old ginger bollocks is willing to give up, ev- I mean everything, right? He's just a normal cunt now. Well, he's not a normal cunt. He's still, you see him coming off the plane in Canada with his two least conspicuous bodyguards. I've never seen two bodyguards stand out as much in my life, other than the time fucking what's his face, the wee cunt. Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, Sadiq Khan was in, um, he was at the Fringe in the Gildy Balloon, right, in the loft bar, kind of axe bar, and uh, I remember coming through, and then you could see a kind of melee of people, and I was like, the fuck is that, now he's tiny, he's a fucking tiny wee cunt, man, and it's Sadiq Khan standing in the back corner, and I remember just sitting having a pint, and I was like, you would think that he'd have some bodyguards with him. Made of London, you know, especially when all the carry on was going on in London at the time. And then, just as I looked round, there's a kind of like you, you exit a conservatory into kind of this outdoor patio, but and you saw eight guys sitting right all with the exact same suit on, the exact same haircut, and you're going, they are trying so hard to blend in, and they couldn't be standing out anymore if they tried. And that's what Harry's fucking bodyguards look like trying to come off the plane. <laughs> this wee ginger cunt fucking sandwich between two absolute monsters. But who knows, man? Maybe they'll fuck off to Canada. They'll be quite happy. Apparently, she's got a voiceover on a Disney film. Um, 
I mean, did anybody watch Suits? Is it any good? Am I missing out on something here? Like, is this a a real high-end bit of drama? You know, one of, is this like fucking The Wire or something? But with lawyers? Is this an amazing bit of television that I should be watching? Because not only had I never heard of Meghan Markle, I'd never heard of Suits. So when people go, she's the actress from Suits? I'm like, what the fuck is Suits? I mean, even, even Suits? It's even just a shite title for a programme. But who knows? Good luck to them. I hope this is the start of fucking the bold Liz getting a bit more fucking old school in her, in her old age. You know? I hope she starts to pull her rank a bit more and go, I am sick of the fucking sight of you moaning bastards. <laughs> I also like the idea that, that they, they want a normal life. You know? As if Harry's going to go and get a job like in a call centre. Or Megan's going to do a 10 hour shift fucking cleaning a hospital ward. And come back to wee Archie. Get the turkey twizzlers in the oven. As if, as if, as if they are going to have any kind of normal life. At all. Oh, I don't know, man. It's one of those things, again, where it's consuming so much media time and genuinely I couldn't give a fuck and I think that's how most people feel I think 2020 Joe you know I think t- this year I spoke about it before when I said it feels as if there's a change it feels as if we are kind of moving away from this and I don't want to say the word snowflake right because I know that fucking angers some people but we need to move away from this kind of idea of you know or we don't want to offend people or we you know, you need to kind of tread softly with, with certain things, and how could we have done that better? Let let's think about that. Could we have, could we have put that across in a better way? I think we are moving away from that idea of kind of getting back to the old fashioned. Shut the fuck up! Don't be a cunt. Mind your own business. Get on with life. I think I I, I feel I can feel it starting to kind of drag itself back a bit. But you know. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks and months. Uh, no doubt we will continue to hear about Megan and Harry. I wonder if he's still going to do that fucking Paralympics thing that he's done. Can't he say his Royal Highness anymore? Do you know what I mean? Can't he say his fucking HRH? My bold Lizzie were in fucking shanking the cunt. <laughs> You'd be raging if you're Archie as well, man. That's your fucking, that's your chance of the crown gone. I mean, I don't know if Archie was ever going to get a fucking a shot at the title, you know? No with the bold Charles and then fucking Will. I mean, Will and Kate are just the golden couple, eh? The golden couple now. Remember it was all at the start kicking off by her because she's one of us. She's fucking mudblood, you know? Now look at her, eh? Perfect fucking queen title. Never here for Elegant, anorexic, does her job. Fucking churning wains out left, right and centre. Woman's built a butcher's pencil. Eh? She can fucking pop her wain out. Nonetheless, I want a voice over a Disney movie. Oh no, no for Kate. No for Kate. <laughs> Imagine the two of them fucking noising Lizzie up going, <coughs> Who's your favourite grandson now? Well, it's you, you fucking big blonde fucking baldy streak of piss, innit? 
least you're actually blood related. It's probably what the bold Liz is thinking. Anyway, good luck to them, man. Good luck to the fucking, good luck to them. Good people are actually saying good luck to them. As if, as if they're going to have a hard time, you know? As if Harry and Meghan are going to come fucking crawling back going, listen, we tried, we just couldn't make it work. The cunts are going to be fucking millionaires. They'll be sorted, right? They'll do the usual, set up charities, go to dinners, fucking prance around. She'll do some voiceovers. He'll do some fucking mental health, fucking cripple leg crawling fucking Olympics nonsense, whatever it is he's wanting to do, and they'll be fine. And we'll all fucking struggle by to pay your bills and get through life. But hey, as long as Harry and Meghan are right, fuck it. I've actually been in Buckingham Palace in an official status. My grandfather, the bold William, William of Orange. Received an MBE many, many moons ago, and uh, I went down well. Me, my brother, uh, the bold Agnes, Buckingham Palace. Uh, I remember being in a Daimler, beautiful big car, and went in the palace. And I was young, I was maybe six or seven at the time. And I can remember going through the palace gates, going through all the police checkpoints. I can remember being in the palace. I remember being in the, the kind of courtyard area. And I remember when we came out, my, my grandpa, full military dress as well, right? Now, he, he got his for, I think, military service. So he was he was in the uh, he was in the army. And I think he ran uh, an, the ambulance corps or was responsible for like the ambulances within his bit of the military, right? I'm fucking... I mean, I'm not describing this very well, but something like he was one of the youngest people to ever do it, or he, he rose through the ranks quite quickly and then did his national service and tried to go back in the army and then joined the territorial army, had a, a career in, as an engineer and worked his way up. I always remember when I was younger, his thing was like he thought he was going to get to go to the Falklands. I remember that being a big thing. That he thought, fucking right, I'm going to... I'm going to get a go. But because of the work that he had done as a trainer, they, they sent him to Dusseldorf, which he was pissed off about. So he was going to do training before guys went out to the Falklands. But he got his uh, got his MBE for years of service or something. Or I think it was. I'm fucking too young to remember. But I remember his title. So it was RSM. William Hugh Gibson. Regimental Sergeant Major, Warrant Officer, Class 1. And out he fucking come. Da 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 da. <laughs> and at least it was bold Lizzie. You know, some, I think that you would, I would certainly be gutted if I was to get, you know, like uh, on the honours list, MBE, OBE, a fucking knighthood, Sir Gibble. Eh? You'd be gutted if you're standing there waiting to hear your name, you know. For um, services to comedy and the arts industry in the United Kingdom. Regimental Sergeant Major, one Officer, Class 1, Scott William Gibson. And out you pop, and there's fucking bugger lugs are standing there. You know, or even worse, the bold William. You'd be like, ah, oh, it's the fucking B-Squad. You'd be gutted. You'd be happy. 
obviously your family would be happy because you're you're receiving an honour. But you'd be gutted if it wasn't the fucking the gaffer, the bold Liz. You would be. Nobody's gonna admit it. No nobody's getting interviewed after it saying, Listen, it's just such an honour to be here, but I mean I fucking can't believe his bugger lugs have done it. You, nobody's gonna admit that, but inside you're hoping it's the fucking the high chief, you know? Nobody wants to go to the Vatican to meet the Pope and you get fucking popped off with a cardinal. Nobody wants that. I mean, you're good, you're still in the Vatican. But you're no fucking, you're no meeting the gaffer. So we came out of the car, Paul Billy goes one way. I remember there was like a kind of guard of honour thing that he went through and then I remember watching him go up a set of steps and he was off and he, and he later told me it was in, it was in two rooms so it was people who were who were receiving a knighthood and it was people who were on the rest of the honours list and then they worked their way through the list and it was on for like I think three, four hours maybe it was it was fucking boring but as we walked to so we walked up a flight of stairs and along this huge corridor to a uh, uh, a room, massive big room that was all seated, so it's flat on the floor and then banked up the sides. A lovely little uh, function room. And uh, we sat there, and I remember as we were going along the corridor, I can vividly remember it, maybe let's say every let's say every ten feet, it might even have been less than that, was a guard, full fucking body armor, right? What are they called? A suit of armor, fucking <laughs> body armor. Full suit of armour, like, I mean, full fucking... And it's a guy in it. It's a cunt in it, holding a sword. And you're talking, and even though I was a child, I'm not exaggerating, you're easily talking 30, 40 guys either side, the full length of this corridor. And my brother was fascinated by him and stopped and, and kind of went up to one and went to touch it to see if it was real or if it was a guy, and the guy kind of, like, moved his sword and kind of winked, and my brother was like, oh, my fucking God, shit, so... <laughs> But I remember that, I remember sitting in the room, I can remember being in the room, and I can remember looking up, and there was a, a full, like, um, orchestra, like a band, up at the very top, up the top deck, and just a sea of people. And uh, we were in the far corner, on the far wall, looking at another room, through to the kind of far end, and you could just see a line of people, so everybody who's receiving an honour is just lining up, and... And one by one they come through and they get their name read and they they get their thing and they get a wee bit of a lizard, a wee fucking shake of the hand. <coughs> I can remember watching the video back as well and seeing my grandpa going up and getting his wee medal. Shook a hand, had to be better chat, you know. Um and obviously Lizzie says, I understand you're from Glasgow. It was in Rutherglen at the time. She went, how are the boys doing? He says, well, it's no bad. What was my back in, you know? So he's good. <laughs> it's cool, man. Do you know what I mean? I, I think that was a... <clears throat> I remember the story that was in the newspaper at the time about the old boy. Was that... I don't know if it was someone from the army. I think it was somebody for the army that phoned... To tell him that he had been, uh, he, he was going to be in the New Year's Honours list. And he hung up on them. <clears throat> and and then somehow the story got into the paper. Obviously the story got in the paper because, you know, it's, a, it's a, a local man or whatever, or a businessman has been 
is in the Queen's Honours list. Um, but I think they like the idea of the story that they, they had to basically get in touch with him like two or three times to convince him. And, and I think even then he never believed it until the, the letter came in with the, uh, the obviously seal of the palace on it to say that he'd, he was going to receive an MBA in the, in the honours list. So I know, I know for him it was a huge thing. And um, I think obviously because we were so young we never really fully understood it, but it's... Uh, it's 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 a it might it must be a, a big I'm not really a military person in the sense that I I don't I, I don't know if it's in this country we don't we don't really have I personally I don't think we have the same connection to the military the way they do in America where you will have whole towns or whole families who are like a military family you know the grandfather was in the military the father's in the military the son's in the military when he has children they'll be in the military. And they have that even now when you see it sometimes. Like I watch obviously a lot of American comedy, and they'll say, "People, what is it you do?" And they go, oh, "I'm in the I'm in the military." And they go, "Thank you for your service." Like no one, we don't we don't have that here, you know, because I think a lot of it is our, our military. For 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 a lot of people, maybe it's a, it's a, an escape, or it's a, not an easy option in the sense that the job is easy. But if you are, if you are struggling to find work or you're struggling to find a way in life, you know, we've all seen the adverts, man, where I do feel as if sometimes the, the armed forces, they kind of prey on that kind of poorer, kind of lower working class um, parts of the country that have been forgotten, you know, where there's no opportunities and they, they kind of try and get these young men and women to sign up, put them through the system and then... They kind of churn them out. We don't really also have that same kind of aftercare, if you like, for military in this country. I don't think so, anyway. Um, but for the old boy, for my grandpa, it was a big part of his life. I think if he could have done his life over again, I think he would have been a full-time military man rather than being... Although he was very high up in the Territorial Army and very heavily involved in it, um, I think he maybe wished he'd stayed full military for for the for the length of his of his career. But in saying that, it must have it must have been an incredible thing to to have received a, an MBE. Um, yeah, it was quite a it was quite a good day. And I tell you what, the fucking the palace was alright, man. I mean, the palace was cracking. That was the very first day I was in London as well. I remember his. Uh, the, the company he worked for, which it, 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 which is now Norwich Union. Um, so he was uh, effectively regional director for Scotland for what is now Norwich Union. And they put us up in this uh, apartment that they've got, a serviced apartment in London that they obviously use for, for business people and whatnot. And I can remember even then, that was the first time like going into a place and thinking, fucking it, because there was a cleaner, there was a cleaner in it, I remember it was the first time I saw a mini bar as well, like the first time seeing miniatures, it's mad the things that fucking stay with you in it, I don't remember much about the trip, but I remember opening this small cupboard in a bedroom and being blown away that it was a fridge, and then seeing miniatures for the first time, <laughs> why the fuck does that stay with me? It's mad, it's mad the things you remember, man. 
But yeah, the old boy. MBE, member of the British Empire, regimental sergeant major, warrant officer class one. That was his title. Old Billy boy. So who knows? Maybe I'll get a knighthood for comedy one day. I highly fucking doubt it. But who knows? Um, one thing I wanted to talk about that it's kind of been on my mind this week. I've seen a lot of posts about mental health and a lot of people putting up a few things on social media about how they've been feeling at the start of the year and how they have been putting a lot of pressure on themselves as we always do at this time of year. To either be a better version of yourself or just to try and move your life in a different direction. I think the hardest thing for people to accept or or to understand, certainly when you get to a certain age, is maybe just to admit to yourself the person you are. Doesn't mean you're a bad person, doesn't mean you're a good person. But this constant sense of just because we are in a, a point in a calendar year where you should suddenly start to want to change who you are, I think is quite damaging. And I think that because we are at a certain point, I'm mid-30s, right, I'm 35, 36 this year. I think that as you get older anyway, and I'm talking here as if I'm in my fucking 50s, but I think that we can forget how long a year is I think that's a big thing for us I think that people not only put too much pressure on themselves to change but put pressure on themselves to change in such a short period of time we are now in a a world in, in a time where everything is short nothing is built to last we don't have careers anymore No one has a job that they stay in 50 years. No one has a marriage that they stay in for that length of time. We can't even wait a week for a television show anymore. We need to binge. We need to consume as much as we can and as quick as we can, regardless of quality. Not only regardless of quality that we take in but also regardless of how that affects us whether that be physically or mentally as long as we are consuming on a daily basis as much as we can I think we need to kind of slow down a bit I think we need to relax a bit more and I think we all need to maybe take a wee step back and instead of setting goals for yourself that may be at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, I think we start saying to ourselves, do you know what? This is what I want to achieve. That's where I want to be. That's what I want to get to. And we put a time aside and we allow ourselves not only the flexibility of life, but the flexibility of our own mental health to allow us to go down the path that we want to travel because I I believe that Some of the people I've been speaking to in this month alone are already getting down on themselves and getting hard on themselves 
or putting down what achievements they have as bullshit because they don't feel as if they're doing it quick enough. But like I said, we're still in January, man. We're still in January and people are starting to freak out about, you know, this was going to be the year I did this and I've not done that. And this, I said I was going to do this and I've not done it. It's fucking three weeks into the new year, man. That's okay, I'm doing a bit. The, the other thing that's been on my mind as well is, <clears throat> as, we, as we go further down the road of acceptance of mental health, or certainly open ourselves up to discuss it, you, you need to bear in mind that as a, as a subject or a topic becomes easier to discuss or easier to digest on a, on a daily basis, you will get people who are fucking shysters. You will get people who in no way have a voice or an opinion on that subject, but will push themselves to the front as an expert because they think they can profit from it, they think they can build a career from it, or they can manipulate the situation to benefit them. And it's hard because I have seen things recently where people have done some things for television, for radio. And I know fine well that some of the people involved not only don't have any mental health issues, but are some of the most vile and disgusting people I've ever had the misfortune of meeting. But again, this comes back to a point that I talk about during my show and that you have to be responsible for your own course in life and your own mental health. And the one thing that I wanted to say, because I'm digressing a little bit here, the one thing I wanted to say, certainly that I have kind of realised this week, is that you, you cannot expect everyone around you that you come in contact with to understand the process that you're going through. One of the hardest things about suffering from mental health, whether that be depression or even anxiety or, or, or another form of it, you cannot feel bad for having a good day. And that might seem like an odd thing to say and it might be a very difficult thing for someone to digest who doesn't have a mental health issue. But believe me when I tell you this, there are people who are suffering from mental health who, when they have a good day, it will make them feel worse than when they have a bad day. And what I mean by that is, I am very lucky in the job that I do and that I am able to speak to people about things. I'm able to tell stories. I am able to take my thoughts and my feelings on a number of different subjects and put that across in a way that is that's funny or put it in across in a way that enables other people to understand what I'm feeling and also for me to talk about it. I also understand that there are a number of people who are not in a position I'm in. And you could say a position of privilege. For example, if later on today, I or this week, I'm having a bad mental health week or a bad mental health day and I need to go for a nap or I need to shut down, 
I am able to say to myself, today's a bad day, I'm putting everything on hold, and I'm going to relax. And a lot of people, the majority of people, even the majority of people listening to this just now, will not have that luxury. A lot of you will have to get up and go to work. A lot of you will live with the fear, knowing that on the days when you wake up and your depression has crashed, your mental health is bottomed out, your anxiety may be through the roof, you know that you still have to get dressed and go to work. Because if you don't, there's a chance you'll lose your job. Because even though you may be lucky, you may have a boss, you may have a company, an employer, who claims to care about mental health and claims to care about you, there will be a voice in the back of your head that knows they really don't give a fuck. And it's hard. And when I go back to the point about having a good day, what I mean is, if you have a friend or a family member or a partner or a colleague and they confide in you to tell you that they are struggling with a mental health issue or they have been diagnosed with a mental health issue or they have, they're currently receiving treatment or or medication or they've been doing this for a number of years. You cannot make people feel bad when they feel good. And again, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with the words to describe this, but I think the only way I can say it is if someone is having a bad day and you address that and then two or three days later they come back in and they're, they're having a good day, you know, they're laughing and they're joking, it's very easy for people to then take the opinion of, oh, there's fuck all wrong with them. You know, they're at it. The days when they're down or the days when they say they can't come to work or they can't function, they're at it. Because here they are laughing and joking and carrying on. And I suppose the, the conversations that I've seen recently or the openness that people now have to, to talk about these things is fantastic, right? And it's great. And let's not, let's not for a minute suggest that it isn't. But I think we can all agree that that side of the conversation has now opened up to the point where most of us are aware that mental health is real and it's something that needs to be addressed. I think we have to now start to look at the other side of the conversation, which is listening to people and not empathising. I mean, I'm not saying you have to go and, and, and... and feel terrible for someone, but I think that we have to understand something like mental health is not binary, it's not on or off. There are many levels within it. And you cannot make someone feel bad when they're feeling good. And at the same time, you can't beat yourself up for having a good day. You've just got to roll with it, man. We all need to take a deep breath, take a step back, and relax a bit. Life is... Life is a long journey, you know, we're living long enough. I mean, I could be fucking 90 before I die. Imagine! A 90-year-old gibble, still gigging, talking shite, eh? 
how many podcast episodes will be on then? Fuck knows. But I suppose what I'm trying to say here is, yes, it's a new year. We're all desperate for change in some capacity in our life. But let's all take a step back a bit. Let's slow it down. Let's ease into it. Let's not be so hard on ourselves. And let's not be so hard on each other. Fuck, this is sounding like Dr. Phil, isn't it? <laughs> it's like an episode of Fraser, man. Take care of yourselves and each other. Oh. This is, see something, do you know what? I was going to say there, this is why I shouldn't do a pod. This is why I enjoy this podcast. Because this is me talking. This is what's in my head. Right? Sometimes you'll get me saying, Meghan Markle must be some fucking ride for Harry to go through all this carry-on. Sometimes you'll get that. And other times you'll get a wee bit of a fucking rant on mental health. <laughs> oh. Just fucking look after each other. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say here. But listen, I hope... what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? I hope you're doing alright. That's what I'm trying to say. I hope you're doing alright. Let's fucking move on. Right, you beautiful bastards. Um, I have always... Thanks for everyone who's got in touch for some listeners' questions. Um, last episode was good, man. Some good fucking questions, so thanks everybody who got in touch. Some more good ones this episode as well. I'm liking this because you're, you're starting to think now. You're starting to think about questions and, it, and it's good because there was a time when some of the questions I used to get were about going, gee, if there was like fucking ten midgets and one of them was in fire, how many of them could you shag in four and a half days? Mad questions, but now we're getting a bit more, we're getting a bit more thoughtful, right? Maybe we need to cut, keep up these uh, mental health chats, maybe that's fucking sifting out some not oh speaking of sifting out, can I just say that I have uh, recently purchased the the Hario V60 coffee filter and my God, it's changed my life, changed my life. Um, only thing I wish I wish I got the O3 size. I got the O2 size, so it's O1, O2, and O3. And I thought, you know what, Gibble, you don't need O3. It's too big, mate. It's just you. It's just you. But I, I wish I got it because it, it, it would have given me a bit more. It would have given me a bit, I'm going to get technical here, it would have given me a bit more space in the cone head during the bloom phase of the filter. <laughs> Such a fucking hipster, man. I love it. Get it. It's cheap as fuck. 25 quid for the jug, the V60 filter and the papers. 25 quid, man, on Amazon. Know what I mean? Can't fucking whack it. And it's good. It's, it's, uh, Pour over coffee, right? So you you need to get your scales out. A bit technical. I work off the uh, the sixty uh, brew ratio, sixty grams to a thousand grams of water. You know that's what I work off. So uh, I knock that down to thirty grams of coffee to fifty grams of water. You know. <laughs> but I tell you what I'm doing, right? So you get your wee um, V60 pour over. It's a it's a cone. Put your wee paper filter in, bit of water to wet the filter, pop out the excess, coffee in, 
make it nice and flat, we well. And then I usually no, I knock in a hundred grams of water. I know maybe that's too much for you. The balloon phase, but I fucking don't know. But I'm telling you right now, your old dad knocks in a hundred grams of water in the first thirty seconds. Let that sit, get a wee swirl. Okay, doggy. And then 45 seconds, we take it up to 300 grams. And we let that filter through to a minute, 15 seconds. And then we fucking knock in the other 200, taking up to 500 grams of water. Get a wee swirl and let that drip through. Now, the whole thing, right, if you start to finish, if you boil in the kettle, getting all your stuff set up and brewing it, you're talking four minutes, right? Genuinely, four minutes. And there's something very, it's 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 almost, I don't want to say therapeutic, because that's maybe taking it a bit too far, but there's something very calming about it. You know, because before, I, like, I, I have a coffee first thing in the morning, right? I get up, I uh, take the dog out, and I have a coffee. And if I'm up early enough, and the missus is still here, she's not away to the gym yet. Uh, and also, can I say a shout out to my missus, who has got up every day, since the start of the new year and going to the gym first thing in the morning before going to work. Fuck that. Fuck that. But fair play to her, man. Every morning, every morning she gets up, she's like, do you want to come to the gym with me? I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> the good thing is as well, she met me when I was fat so, you know, this is what you signed up for. <laughs> it's not like she met me and, you know, she went, oh, he's a handsome big bastard. And I was like fucking ripped, man. Like six packed. And now I've let myself go. I was a fat cunt when she met me. So, you know, the only way is up, really. Brucey bonus, but aye. Everyone in the gym. So now, we got up kettle on and I would do a fucking a mug instant. I know. I know, I know. Knocking that back everyone, but now I've got my wee V60. It's calming, man. Just sitting. Do my wee brew, my wee bloom. Let it all settle. And I tell you something else, man. It's a fucking good coffee. I need I need to find a there's a there's a roasters, check me out. There's a roasters. There's a few roasters in Edinburgh, but there's a coffee bean roaster. Did it Leith Williams and Johnson, I think it is a Williamson and Johnson. So I bought some of the beans the other day. Uh, a wee bag of beans, and uh, need to get a grinder, that's the next step, um, and start grinding my own beans like a proper hipster, and then I'll have even more control over my coffee at that point, but I, if you, if see if you like coffee, right, I would say get one man, I know a lot of people have talked about the Aeropress and messaged me saying I should get that for when I'm on the road, and uh, I might, I might, but this wee V60 man's a cracker. Go on Amazon, check it out. Hario, H A I R O V60. Get the plastic one as well. It's 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 the best. Um, heat retention on it's good for the brewing, so. And it just makes a fucking good coffee, man. And you just sit in the morning, have a wee coffee, and just chill, relax into the day, you know? Get yourself started. But. The reason why I started talking about this is because last week I had a couple of questions that I never got a chance to answer. And somebody had asked, 
um, what podcast I listen to when, when I'm driving or if I'm on a journey or, or whatever, what, what I listen to. And one of the things, good friend of mine, Carl Donnelly, who's an amazing comedian. Uh, if you've never seen Carl live, you need to check him out. He's one of one of my favourite comics in the country. Um, he's just an incredible storyteller, wonderful comic. But he has, uh, he's got his own podcast um, that he does with another comic called Two Vegan Idiots. Uh, it's kind of an interview thing. They normally have another guest on, which is a great podcast. But he's started his own um, podcast as well. And it's basically Carl, two or three times a week, um, he makes his morning coffee and he just has a wee chat. These are they're, they're short episodes. They're 10, 12, 15 minutes max. And he just talks about stuff that's in his head, talks about stuff that's going on in his day, talks about his coffee. And if you, uh, if you enjoy uh, a wee bit of chat or you're looking for something to... Um, listen to in the morning then fucking do that man because it's a lovely wee podcast it's very i said to him when so he put out a few episodes and i uh i got in touch to say that i was listening to it and it's very it's very relaxing man you know it's very very relaxing it's cool man so get on there check it out carl donnelly um i think it's Coffee, coffee with Carl Donnelly. I, I don't know. I'll find. I'll find out what the name of the podcast is, and I'll put a wee link up to it so you can check it out. But some of the podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis is um, Bobby Lee, Tiger Belly, brilliant. Theo Vaughn, Last Weekend, uh, Joe Rogan. I, I've started. I used to just dip into Joe Rogan, and I would only listen to the ones where people I was interested in. But now, now I'm just listening to most of them because I'm going right. This he's usually got quite good guests on it or exciting guests or interesting people, so I'm trying to listen to them. Um, and obviously, Bill Barr's Monday Morning Podcast is a fucking classic. Um, but try and check him out. Uh, now, this is a podcast that I don't listen to a lot. It's Todd Glass, right? So it's Todd Glass's show. But if you want. To listen to two of the finest podcast episodes ever, just search for Todd Glass Show, Andy Kindler, and these two, you will be fucking rolling with laughter, right? They are amazing episodes. Todd Glass, Andy Kindler, who's a, a, a favourite of mine, I think Andy Kindler's brilliant. They are such good friends that both of the episodes are maybe an hour and a half each, and it's just an hour and a half of... Andy Kindler taking the piss out of Todd Glass, and it's fucking beautiful, man. There's something, there's something great about when you get two comics, two very funny people, who not only are wonderful comics, but are very close friends. That there is a, you will never get burned or roasted better than by a comedian, and if you can get two comics who know each other very well. And are very close. The fucking banter is absolute grade A, man. Top, top quality banter. So check it out, right? Check it them. Tiger Belly, uh, Bobby Lee, uh, Theo Vaughn, the last weekend. Um, Joe Rogan, obviously, you know about. Billboard Monday Morning Podcast. And check out Andy Kindler's episode on the Todd Glass Show. 
you'll fucking love it, man. Right, let's do let's do some actual uh, new listeners' questions, uh, and let's see what we've got this weekend. I just said this weekend as if we're recording this weekend, and we're no, we're no recording this in the weekend. But do you know, I'm trying to move the iPad so I can get the questions and talk at the same time, and it's confusing me. And now I've got Carl's face up on my screen, and that's confusing me even more. Anyway, right, let's get into this. Um, thanks to everybody who got in touch, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, as always, uh, if you want to ask me a question um, or get in touch, I will always post up the day before I am recording, so you can simply reply to the message on either Facebook, Instagram, or podcast, or fucking Twitter. Fucking I'm getting tired, man. Facebook is Scott Gibson Comedy, Instagram and Twitter, I am at Big Scott Gibson. Please do go and follow me on the social medias. You can also go to the website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk, and you can ask a question there. Right, let's get this. Instagram. Uh, Paul Doherty has asked, what's better, doing stand-up set or an MC? Well, Paul. Um... Depends, mate. I enjoy, mostly, I enjoy doing tour shows, so long form is my favourite. I think just with my style, because it's storytelling and because I've been going for such a long time, nearly 10 years now, that I find it, I far more enjoy doing an hour, an hour and a half, than I do 20 minutes. So... That's not to say I don't enjoy doing sets in, in clubs, but I prefer doing a longer show, if you like. Um, if I'm doing 20 minutes, I could do one story and I could make that last 20 minutes. Um, I enjoy emceeing, but again, a lot of them has, a, a lot of it's got contributing factors because I enjoy emceeing if it's a good night i.e. it's a good lineup, so it's good people that are on, or I'm on with friends, um, if you're on with one cunt, it can ruin the night, um, so it's a mix, it's probably, I'd say maybe 60-40 in favour of emceeing, there you go, um, but I don't, I don't mind doing sets as well, but if you, if I had to pick one, I would be, I would prefer doing emceeing, I think, just because the thing with an MC is that they're valued far more in British comedy than American comedy just because the way that our clubs are structured is completely different. And here, in comedy clubs in the UK, we, oddly, there are not a lot of great MCs. So when you are on a lineup as an act doing a set, you don't appreciate how much you need a strong MC until the night you have a shit MC. And then you realise, all right, this is just making my job harder. So because I know that I'm a good MC, I'm a great MC. I'm one of the best MCs in the country, right? And I think I'm a great MC because I understand my job. And your job as an MC is to control the night. That's it. Control the night. Control the audience. Let it flow nicely keep everything tight, keep them on time and make sure everyone has a good gig that's it, you're not there to steal the show 
You know, they throw people under the bus. You are there to control the night and make it flow. And there will be some comics as an MC who cannot do that switch in their head and still think they're a comic. So they will try and steal the night. They'll try and be the main event or they won't set things up properly for the next act that's coming on or they won't address the room. So there's no control. I think a good MC should have the right level of fear and respect from an audience. That's what I think. I think as an MC, you should say to the audience, you're here for a good night as long as you do this, this and this. And if you misbehave, I will fucking destroy you in front of the people you love. And that's it. And when you get people who don't have that authority or control or respect for the audience, the club and the other acts, it can be a very difficult gig. So, do I enjoy doing sets? Yes. Would I rather do my own tour show, hour, hour and a half, two hours? Yes, I would. Do I prefer being an MC over an act? I don't know if I prefer it, but I think maybe that's where I'm... I'm a good comic, but I'm a great MC, if you want to say that. So, maybe MC needs to be a go. But Paul, thanks for the question. Fucking Paul Dockery. On the Instagram, mate. Yes! Um, Twitter. Doogie. Fucking solid name, Doogie. Doogie has asked, given that the police in Scotland investigated and recorded a UFO encounter as common assault 40 years ago, what? Do you think you could take on an alien in a Predator-style square go? Fucking hell, Doogie. Eh? Um, what a film Predator was. It's brilliant, man. Fucking brilliant, man. I mean, if you're asking me, could I take on Predator? The answer is no. Because I think Predator would fuck all of us up. But, if you're asking me, could I take on a wee alien? Ah, I'd fancy my chances. I'd certainly take a punt. If it was like Mars Attacks, those wee fuckers, oh, you'd smash about six of them. Easy. We're back to the whole toddler question for the last episode. I think that we have an idea of what... I mean, first of all, you need to think, do aliens exist? Do you believe that life exists out with our planet? And I suppose you have to think that, yes, it does. Yes, it does. We we cannot be the only things out there. We can't be. But then we get on even bigger questions as well, going, is this even real? You know? Is this a, is this a game? Is this all AI? You know, is, is someday, are we just in a marble? In, in a game somewhere? Is somebody plugged us into a computer and we're, we're just machines? You know? I don't know, man. Big questions. I mean, are we, are, what's, what's even real, you know? Is, is the world real? Am I real? Are you real? Are you actually listening to me right now? Or are you... Do you just think that you're listening to me? You know? What's happening, man? So many questions. 
And the other thing as well, when, when people started making films about aliens, right? Because most of our most of our understanding of aliens comes from like Star Wars, Star Trek, that kind of shit, right? You the easiest way to make something that people will understand is to be fearful. So you make bad aliens, right? You make it when they come to Earth, they're, they're hostile, you know, and the whole, we come in peace. Maybe they, maybe aliens don't give a fuck, you know? Maybe maybe aliens are only big goblin scary creatures. Maybe they're just like a fucking, a slug, you know? Maybe if you, if you met an alien, they might be able to control your mind through telepathy, but you can just stand on the cunt and squash them. Dude, I don't know. I don't know, Doogie. I need more info, Doogie. I need to know, do you believe in aliens? Do you think we're alone, Doogie? <laughs> if you're asking me, could I batter Predator one-on-one, I'm going to have to be honest with you, Doogie, and say, no, I couldn't. Right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't run for him, you know? But I'd step up to the plate, but I imagine I would have my guts handed to me within a few seconds. But some other form of of alien life form, I take a chance, Doogie. I take a fucking chance, brother. You need to tell me, Doogie. You need you need to let me know. Do you think that aliens exist? Get in touch, Doogie. Let me know. Right. Let's do another. Well, I've actually got a few people get in touch. To kind of moan a little bit about vegans in Veganuary. Um, listen. Listen to your Uncle fucking Scott here, right? You're always going to have people who jump on board these bandwagons, right? Now, Veganuary... I'm no... It's another one of these things. Veganuary for me is like Megan and Harry. I don't give a fuck. I have got strong opinions on meat. <laughs> and my opinions of us. I, I don't think that the thing like Veganuary is necessarily a good thing. Certainly not a bad thing, right? But I think the fact that you might go, I'm going to give up meat and dairy for a month. And, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna give this a real good go. That's that's fine, right? But that you're not a vegan, okay? I think I think this is what pisses people off. I don't I don't think the fact that because you don't eat meat or dairy, that doesn't piss anybody off, right? It's not like you said to somebody, mate, do you want a, a bacon roll? I don't actually eat meat. You, you, fu- you fucking what? Nobody's, nobody's caring, right? I think what people are getting angry about, and again, there's no real need to get angry, is these is the people who have no identity, right? So they, they have nothing about them. They don't have a personality. They don't have any skills, right? They don't have a talent, right? And that is a lot of people. Now, years ago, right, in the 50s, in the 60s, even the 70s, right, 
before social media, even up to that point, before social media, you could be a talentless, boring, fucking husk of a cunt, and nobody cared, and nobody fucking knew. Now, you have people like the Kardashians, or like the Love Island fuckers, who have no talent whatsoever, but go on to be famous, wealthy superstars. Now, every fucking cunt thinks that they have to have something that makes them different, right? And veganism just now is the hot potato, okay? They can eat potatoes, that's right. It's a hot vegan potato, right? So they jump on the go, I'm actually a vegan. Nobody cares! Nobody cares, nobody cares. What you put in your body, nobody cares, right? People get angry about the ones that try and throw it in their face, go, I'm actually a vegan. And here's the thing, right? You're not a fucking vegan, all right? You're not a vegan. Because seeing Christmas Day, you were fucking bod-deep in pigs and blankets in Turkey. Bod-deep in it, right? Bod-deep, okay? Then come January, because all your wee fucking Instagram model pals were doing veganuary, you decide to become vegan. But here's the thing. You're still wearing leather shoes. Your purse is made of leather. You're eating Percy pigs. It's got gelatin in it. Alright? You had parmesan cheese on your chips at the weekend. In the fucking big feed food fucking market. Ripped out warehouse. Dog shaking hay in the corner. And you're eating fucking Pecorino Romano. And you're like, but am I vegan? You're like, no, hen. You're not a vegan. You're drinking wine that's sifted through fish guts. You know? You're using makeup, hair products that are tested on animals. I don't have a problem with anybody being vegan. I have got friends that are vegans. And I'll tell you right now, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult life to live. It's getting a bit easier, there are more restaurants, it's easier for food, but there's a whole lot of stuff to think about. Your clothing, products that you use, maybe even to a lesser extent, services that you use, however they interact with, with animals. You know, so there's a whole there's a whole length to go to being a vegan or to living a vegan lifestyle. So maybe people need to differentiate between I don't eat meat and dairy and saying that I'm a vegan. And and here's the other thing, right? If you are a vegan, don't just don't be one of these fucking cunty vegans. It's like I can't believe you're eating veal. That is a baby fucking thing. Shut up. Right? Let's all just leave everybody to themselves how about that for an idea how about we just let every cunt just be themselves okay if you want to eat meat eat meat if you don't want to eat meat don't eat meat nobody cares and here here's the the biggest thing right that we need to really push home in 2020 being a vegan is not a personality trait it doesn't tell me anything about you Right, so when you put on your bio, I'm a vegan, ah, I don't care. 
but does it tell me anything about you? The fact that you've put that in your bio tells me you're a cunt. That's what it tells me. You're a cunt. Okay? <laughs> Everybody just needs to fucking calm down, man. Right? Everybody needs to fucking calm down. These are just things that are created. Veganuary. Movember. Fucking whatever the other bullshit, right? Pancake Tuesday, eh? It's all just stuff. It's just stuff that's created. Veganuary's no a real thing, right? It's no a real thing. A load of people got together and went, what can we call it? Veganuary. Done. And we promote vegan food and vegan lifestyle. Right? And guess what? You can fucking eat corn. Tepe, whatever that fucking thing is, right? Soya. And no be a vegan. There's nothing wrong with it. It's no us or them. It's no yes or no. It's no, well, if you're going to eat that, you can't eat this. Eat what you want, man. Eat what you want. I've said it before. This is why you're seeing more things been described as plant-based. Because we need to move away from the word vegan. Because it's been it's become a bit toxic. Right, even that word's annoying news. But oh, it's toxic, man. It's fucking being a vegan's pure toxic and all that. The word vegan stirs emotions in people, and it stirs emotions in people because it's been adopted by a bunch of fucking militant cunts. Right? It's almost like the word feminism. We're all feminists. Everybody's a feminist. And see if you're not a feminist, you're a fucking cunt. Everybody's equal. We should all get paid the same. We should all have the same rights. We should all be respected the same. Everybody is a feminist. But then people get angry when it's the militant feminists that come out. Okay? And if you want to be non-meat and non-dairy and you're a vegan, that's fine. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Good for you. But it's when the fucking militant vegans come out going, uh, I believe that three years ago you actually had a fucking bit of quail. How dare you? I tell you, you bastard! You're being cancelled! We're cancelling you! Ah! Let's all live in harmony, eat what we want, do what we want, and let's all just think for a minute how good a ride Meghan Markle must be. Ah, <laughs> oh, ginger bollocks! You silly wee boy, man. Eh? The first woman to show you a bit of fucking tail, a 38-year-old cougar, she's fucking snared you, Harry. She's fucking snared you by their fucking ginger bollocks. There's no way in hell that Meghan Markle would ever be fucking near a cunt that looks like fucking Harry Windsor or Harry Potter, whatever the fucking cunt's name is, if he was near a prince. And that's the fact of the matter. Right? There it is in a nutshell. The fucking ginger fucking tough cunt wouldn't have a shot at a bird like Meghan Markle if he wasn't a prince. And now she is going in there with a fucking powerful snatch and fucking dragged him away from the royal family. Oh, Harry, Harry. You've made your bed, son. And you're stuck in it. So for vegans, if you're a vegan, plow on, brother. And if you're not a vegan, 
and enjoy your steak. Enjoy your steak. Thanks to everybody who got in touch with the questions. As always, um, if you want to ask something, then go to the website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. Go to Facebook, Scott Gibson Comedy. Instagram and Twitter, at Big Scott Gibson. Drop me a message. And who knows, maybe you can have one of your questions on the next episode. Right, we are moving towards the end of uh, of another episode, team. It's been quite a good one. Bit of ranting parts, but we're getting deep. But we're getting deep in the middle. Deep in the middle. Um... So all that's left now is to, to do some news and as always we go to the uh, newspaper, the publication that's flying the flag for top end high quality journalism. It is the metro.co.uk. Um, right, let's do the news man. Play the jingle! Today's headlines. Human bones found in garden. Personal trainer says he's too big. And mum finds baby doll for sale as she searches for sex toys. Honest to God, man, this fucking newspaper. Where do we start? We start at the top. As we always do, we start at the top. Um, This is from Zoe Derwitt. Uh, Zoe is uh, obviously a name that we are familiar with here at the uh, Battlefield Show. One of the Metro's uh, high-end journalists. Finger on the pulse. I think we can say about Zoe. Finger on the pulse. Um... This story was printed on Monday, January 20th. Uh, headline reads, Serial killer arrested after 300 human bones found in his garden pond. Wow. Now, before we read on, as always, if you're a new listener, I am reading these stories with you. I don't know anything about them. If it comes up as a shocker, it's a shocker to me. At the same time, it's a shocker to you. Now, 300 human bones... How how many bones are in the... How many bones? Fucking Google that. Scotty boy. Get this fucking iPad open. How many human bones... How many human bones are in the human body? No. How many bones are in the human body? How many bones are in the human body? I don't know. I'll Google it. How many... Oh my God. I put how many beaches... I didn't mean to tell how many bones are in the human body. There's a song you'll be singing for the rest of the day. Um, quick guess. 206. 206 bones are in the human body. The human skeleton is the internal framework of the human body. We know that. It's composed of around 270 bones at birth. This total decreases to around 206 by adulthood. Huh? How are you fucking losing 64 bones for your Abambino? Anyway, 
206 bones in the human body. This cunt's got 300 in his garden. So what's that? Fucking one and a, a, a sixth? One full human in a leg? Or is this, is he just keeping heeds? Hey, let's read on. Zoe writes, Police believe they are investigating a serial killer after finding almost 300 human bones in a garden during a murder probe. Wealthy property heir, Apa- oh, oh, oh dear. Uh, Apache Unguist, 40, um, is accused of murdering his girlfriend, Wuthering Hasasa, 22, and concealing her body. Maybe he murdered her because she had a tail. You know? If there's 206 bones in a human body and they found almost 300, maybe she was a devil. Maybe, maybe, maybe she's been holding off, consummating the relationship, because she's got, she's got a tail, you know. She's got a fucking a ninety-four boned tail, and she's like a fucking I can't let this cunt see my tail, man. And then after a few months, she's like, look, fucking come on, eh? Have some prosecco, stick on an album, and she's like, all right, he loves me. He like sent me for who arm, cut off. He's like, fuck me, you got a tail. And he's, he's killed her. I think that's what's happened. Let's read on. He was arrested after her body was discovered wrapped in sheets and buried at his home. I mean, I'm I'm gonna say he's done it. You you'd need to have a pretty fucking good alibi or, or a defence lawyer. If the police have come in and found your dead missus wrapped up in a sheet in your house. Where fucking tail chopped off. <laughs> Police were then tipped off that there could be more victims buried in the land. It's she's got a tail. She's got a tail. There's no more victims. As part of the probe, investigators ordered a search of a pond near to Ongwit's home. With police divers divers? How big's a fucking pond? Police divers finding at least 298 human bones in the water on Friday. According to the Bangkok... Well, Bangkok, it makes sense. According to the Bangkok Post, Ongoist had admitted to killing his girlfriend, nicknamed Kokik. Kokik. In August last year. So he's fucking... So how is this a police probe? If he's killed her. The suspect was already a drug user who ordered his girlfriend to sleep in a metal casket as he did not want her to leave him. What a fucking mental cunt. <laughs> sleep in a metal casket? What? Can you imagine... Imagine saying to your, your missus the night, I, I want you to sleep in a metal casket. And think of the fucking response you would get for that. I don't imagine it would be... Of course, I'd never leave you. Leave the lid open. <laughs> His missus looks like a dwarf as well, doesn't she? Other reports that Ongnuist had kept carnivorous alligator garfish in his pond have been rubbish by police divers who said they found no fish. Police chief Sharaka <laughs> said the bones retrieved on Friday are now being examined by forensic experts in hospital because she had a fucking tail! It's not known how many bodies the bones belong to yet. The investigation has found several women who were involved with the culprit have disappeared. Several women have disappeared. They all had tails. They all had tails. Yeah, they're here first. Right, next story 
from the People's Paper, the wonderful Metro. Personal trainer. Uh, picture of the guy. He looks like a fucking douchebag. Just going to say that straight off the bat. Our old pal Jen Mills is covering this one. Personal trainer says he has to use parent and child bays because he's so muscly. Eh? Maybe that's what I should start saying. I'm sorry, I'm muscly. Parent and child bays is alright, isn't it? Is it? It's not, it's not a fucking disabled. You know, I think if you're not on a disabled, then parent and child is alright. We've all got Wayne's. I've got a Doug. He's my baby. Fucking, do you need to have the Wayne's in the motor with you when you park in a parent and child? Is that the, is that the, uh, the criteria? Or do you just have to have fathered offspring? What if you, what if you don't, what if you know you've got Wayne's, but you don't know where they are? What if you, you were out, you know, on a lad's holiday? In the early noughties in Tenerife and you fucking yeah, you flung you flung your muck about Palman over. Huh? Somebody tracked you down on Facebook and was like, Oh, John, fucking check a ginger nut on this fucking Spaniard. You've got a win. Can you still park in the child? <laughs> and they go, Hey, where's your where's your wins? And you go, fucking Palman over. He's more as a dancer. Three shots. Let's read on. A personal trainer known as the Greek Stallion. What a fucking wank. Claims he has no option but to use designated parent and child spaces because he's so muscular. What a fucking tosser. Chris Goodwin says he always picked the wider spaces to allow his 20 stone frame to go out. Mate. 22 and a half stone. Fucking suck a bag of dicks. He said, I'm a muscle model champion. I'm a muscle model champion, you fucking toilet. Even if they're parking bays, I never bloody use them. I'll just go and park in the same parent and child bay, even if I'm on my own, I always do it. Chris goes on to say, I don't give a crap what people think of me. I do what I want. I can't fit out my car. I'm too big. He was filmed trying to get out of his car in a normal spot, claiming, I'm stuck. I'm actually stuck. See, this guy, this guy's a fucking wanker, right? An absolute fucking wanker. And i tell you something else, right? Here's a wee fucking tip for your old Uncle Scott. Back in the days when I used to be a doorman in Paisley, right? And here's what my gaffer, who was a mad bastard, told me. It doesn't matter how big a cunt is or how strong a cunt is. If you smash him in the chops with a bat, He's going down like everybody else. Fact. I'm a fucking muscle champion. You're an absolute toilet, mate. Chris goes on to say, people take it over the top because you're parking in a bloody parent and child bay. They want to bloody fight you like Mike Tyson would. I think you're the one that wants to fight people, Chris. I think you were bullied as a child. You never knew how to properly communicate your feelings. So you went to a gym and you started lifting weights and you were surrounded by men, big, strong, muscular men. And then because you don't have the strength to come out and say, you know what, I just like a cock in my arse, you started fighting people. So guess what, you're a permatant cunt. I think you're an arsehole. 
I'll tell you what I read this story. Even just looking at the pictures. I, you just, I've got, I'm telling you, people think I'm daft. I've got a gift. I can look at a picture of a cunt and I can tell you straight away if they're a daft or no. And this boy here, what's his name? Chris Goodwin. You are a fucking toilet, my friend. Oh, Jen. You're better than this, Jen. You're better than these stories, hen. I'm wanting, I'm wanting more for you next time. Jen Mills. Right, and last, but by no means least. Um, oh, yes. We're back to the fucking big boys. Richard Hartley Parkinson. Eh? The fucking journalist journalist. It's good to finish in a fucking story for the big man. Headline reads, Mum finds baby doll for sale as sex toys while searching for dildo on Amazon. <laughs> oh my God. How, one, here's the questions. One, how is this news? Two, who the fuck is getting in touch with a paper to print this? Who fucking searches for dildo? Who fucking, what happened to my voice there? Who fucking searches? <laughs> who the fuck's buying dildos on Amazon? Who are these people? Where you fuck, where, why are you buying dildos on Amazon? Still, that's not a place for dildos. <sighs> Here we go. Let's read on. A mother was left shaken. I don't believe that. After finding baby dolls on Amazon as she searched for sex aids. Rachel Raines, 30, from Leigh, Greater Manchester, was so disgusted by the lifelike figure that she said she was unable to buy any adult toys. Fucking hell, hen. And, and what? You're, you've been triggered? As soon as she saw the item, she told boyfriend Dean Ellison, I wouldn't want, if I was a man, you wouldn't want your name printed as well. And they reported the listing. Eh? Can you report list? Is that a thing on Amazon? You can report listings. As soon as she saw that, however, unhappy with the response time, unhappy with the response time, I mean, if somebody's selling fucking sex dolls, I don't imagine they've got a high response time. Rachel has now vowed not to shop on Amazon again. Oh, I'm sure the share prices will plummet. The fucking dildo couple for Greater Manchester are no buying sex aids on Amazon anymore. How will they cope? She said, I felt physically sick. It literally turned my stomach. It's disgusting. I've got a two-year-old little boy, and when you see that, you think of them. What the fuck is she talking about? So she's typed in fucking dildo, and a baby's dolls come up. I mean, we all know the saying. Anything's a dildo if you're brave enough. (laughs) Maybe fucking, you don't put a baby doll up your fucking chutney. But a wee doll's arm, you know? A wee doll's leg, fucking up your trumpet. Why the fuck is... Why, why are they getting... I've searched for stuff on Amazon. I searched for something the other day. I typed in coffee grinder. And it fucking came up like dog poo bags. I did they go, Oh, I'm never shopping on Amazon again. Grow the fuck up. Rachel goes out to say, here we go. I went on the Amazon and I typed in sex toy. Well, first of all, Rachel, that's just too vague a search. That's too vague a search. You need to narrow that down, hen. Anything could be a sex toy. There's some fucking weird people out there, right? 
you need to fucking narrow that down. And as I was scrolling through, about 20 images down, about 20 images down, the baby doll came up. It was very strange. Very strange. I clicked on the picture thinking, why is this there? Maybe they've put it there to fuck with your head, Rachel. You ever thought about that? You ever thought Amazon's fucking with you? Eh? That you've put in a vague search like sex toys and they went fucking stick a doll in. Now fucking shut up. I clicked on the picture thinking, why is it there? And there are three other reviews on there asking why it was on the adult content page. Maybe it's a mistake. Maybe it's a mistake. It's been on there since last year. It's been on a while. And Amazon haven't done anything. It was just horrendous. I didn't buy anything after that. It obviously put me off. Put your fucking stuff in your ass with fucking dolls. <laughs> Amazon removed the post overnight and are investigating. But Rachel still thinks they did not act swiftly enough. Rachel added, It makes me question why anyone would want to sell anything like that and why it would be posted in the sex category on Amazon. I, am, I, am I wrong in thinking why are people getting dildos off Amazon? Am I out of touch here? Is this where is this where Wayne's are getting their sex toys for now? Eh? I bet the old days we used to fucking write away in the back of a newspaper, eh? And then you'd wait six and a half months for your dildo to be shipped for Indonesia in a wooden crate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ah oh, well. Um, there weren't any other children's toys, nothing at all. Um, she searched high and low for any more um, strange things. Uh, she said she got up the next following morning to check and it said it was unavailable. So they did that overnight. I won't buy Amazon ever again after this. Well, Rachel, you're going to have to find more imaginative ways to get your fucking dildos after that. There you go. Richard Hartley Parkinson with the fucking big news stories of the day that was your news for this episode serial killer arrested after 300 human bones found in garden human toilet and bag of waste personal trainer parks and parent in Chell bays and the mother who tried to buy her dildos on amazon was disgusted after seeing a baby's doll that's the news <laughs> Right team, that is us, end of the episode. I hope you've enjoyed episode 15. Thank you to everyone who has listened this far. A um, couple of big things coming up. Obviously, we're kicking off the tour. The second half of the White Noise Tour kicks off for 2020. Starts January 25th, East Kilbride Arts Centre. Then we roll on to the Barfields Theatre in Largs on February 7th. And then February 23rd, we are at the Webster's Theatre in our broth. Now, after that, we are going to Cambridge. We're going to Uddingston. We're going to Calerne. We're going to Livingston. We're going to Belfast. We're going to Dunoon. We're going back to Northern Ireland. We're going to Edinburgh. We're going to Glasgow. There's fucking loads of places we're going. More dates are being added. Get on the website, scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk. Buy your tickets to a tour date. Come along and see me. And also, let's not forget, March the 7th. March the 7th in Glasgow at the Classic Grand will be a debut of a brand new show that will be taking the fringe in 2020 and then touring. 
If you haven't got your ticket for that yet, last time I checked, there was 42 tickets left. Now, that was at the start of last week when they recorded episode 14. So, I imagine some of more have shifted by then. Um, so, if you don't have your ticket for March the 7th for the brand new show, get on the website, get your ticket for that now because it's going to sell out. And if you haven't been to see the tour show yet, come along to one of the dates. It would be a pleasure to see you. Let's build these numbers, man, right? We're getting into a stride now. I'm enjoying doing this. I'm feeling a bit more comfortable. Um, so help me build it. Got some nice regular listeners, some good numbers, but we need to push that up. If you do enjoy it, please share a link to the podcast on your so- social media pages. If you've got friends or family, tell them to give it a wee listen. It may be for them. It might not be for them. Who knows? But for those of you who enjoy it, thanks for listening. Thanks for getting in touch. I'll see you in the battlefield soon. Onwards. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.